hello folks and uh, welcome to Out on a Limb, the first episode of our podcast. This is Out on a Limb, a Lover's Lane podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts of this podcast. My name is Stephen Lashley and I'm joined by... I am the co-host of this podcast. My name is Reverend Macy Lipchoy. And uh, we're just so excited to be uh, debuting this first episode of our podcast, really just the introduction to this show and this series of what we want this podcast to be, which is just sharing stories, sharing insights uh, from people who go out on a limb to uh, just love all people uh, and love all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, that's really what the show is about. Yeah. And so this first episode we have on uh, Reverend Stan Copeland, who's the senior pastor at Lover's Lane, and Reverend Kay Eck, our executive pastor, because between the two of them, I think you said they have a combined like 40 years of experience here at this church and really understand, you know, who the identity of Lover's Lane, you said the DNA of this church. And so I I really love this episode because I think you get to know uh, the culture and the people here at Lover's Lane and the history of, you know, 76 years of doing ministry in Dallas, which is so incredible. And it's amazing. And Stan talks about um, really the, the phrase out on a limb comes from uh, a phrase that Tom Ship, one of the really the one of the founding pastors of this church, not mm-hmm. the first pastor, but yeah. one of the most important pastors to have come through this, um, coined this phrase that this church goes up a tree and out on a limb, and yeah. he takes that from uh, uh, the Z- the Zacchaeus story, mm-hmm. and uh, and really this episode is all about just describing that DNA and describing um, some of the senior pastors and some of the things that they've done or been a part of. But um, for those who may not have ever stepped foot at Lover's Lane um, and really people who have been a part of this church's history, this this idea of going out on a limb mm-hmm. is really what this series is all about, this show is all about. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it's a sharing of those stories that that Stan had. Yeah, um, there were a lot that I I never heard. I've I've only been at Lovers Lane for about a year now, and so there were so many that I learned just today and hearing him talk. And it really was incredible to hear the risks that people were willing to take in right. the name of loving all people and following where the Spirit was leading them. It was just really really cool. And, and that's such a the the word risk comes up a lot mm-hmm. um, in this episode, and 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 for good reason. Because because our calling and and maybe maybe you're somebody who's never uh, has never really been part of a church or really been part of a faith organization, but um, being following Christ is not necessarily something that's just pie in the sky all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. There's risk involved. It's uh, it's 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 being out on a limb. Yeah. It's 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 sometimes being afraid. Um, it's taking risk, and so. Um, it's it, it was just good to it was a good it was really fun to just <laughs> hear good, all yeah. that history uh mm-hmm. some of the things that kind of the the lore of lovers lane mm-hmm. um is inspiring to me i hope it's inspiring to uh to all of you who are able to be listening or watching on youtube uh and if you're not uh really a part of lovers lane or you maybe you've never even heard of lovers lane i hope that these stories and these um, insights really can inspire ways that you might be able to go out on a limb just in your everyday life to um, to to embody 
what it means to, yeah, be up up a tree and out on a limb. Yeah. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. So, folks, how are you? How are you doing, Stan? Doing good. Yeah? Yeah. And Kay? Doing great. Good Good to be here. Glad y'all are here. Macy, you good? I wish I had got coffee this morning, honestly, but then I didn't. (laughs) So now we're here, but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, I texted you and I was like, hey, are you stopping for coffee? And Stephen was like, no, I'm just going to get some at the church. I was like, I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping he would stop giving me coffee, but I guess not today. Yeah. Wow, sorry. (laughs) So this is our first official episode. This is our introduction episode, and we are so delighted to have Pastor Stan Copeland. Stan, how long have you been at this church? Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) I came on April Fool's Day, 1998. So some people would say that's nearly 22 full years or nearly 23 full years. The conference counts things starting at June. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the conference had me here for three years when I'd only been here a few months. So uh, uh, anyway, it's it's about 23 years, close to 23 years. 23 years. Wow. That's amazing. So you've seen a lot. You could say you've probably seen a lot. Yeah, I've seen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know about Lover's Lane before you got here? Not really. I mean, I, I, uh, I'd grown up in the Texas conference um, and had spent time in Houston about uh, seven years in Houston. Um, I, you know, Texas conference was my home. I grew up going to annual conference at first Methodist Houston, then ended up as an associate there for seven years. So I didn't know about lovers lane when the Bishop uh, from the North Texas conference, Bishop Bill Oden called me. The only thing I really knew about lovers lane was that it had, uh, alcoholics and a lot of singles <laughs> <laughs> and that was so uh surface as far as you know the bigger picture of lover's lane but that is all i literally knew about lover's lane that was the reputation that you that you knew about yeah. alcoholics oh and singles alcoholics <laughs> and oh, singles. Mean, it kind of sounds like a party honestly yeah like. it wasn't there there was a big story right um, mm-hmm. uh, that was called in like the headline in the Dallas Morning News is called the meat market or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it it was, and you know, <laughs> back in the day, that's where singles came to meet people, and they would uh, they would meet. They had huge single Sunday school classes, um, and that would fill up Asbury Hall. And wow. so, you know, Lubbers Lane back in the seventies uh, even goes further than that into what was called once upon a time apartment ministry when Tom Ship was the pastor, um, and which was a singles ministry. But um, but really in the 70s and in, into the 80s was when the singles ministry here was really thriving. Okay. Dick Schaefer would be one name that a lot of people would recognize in that regard. Uh, Don Benton was the pastor during that day. Uh, and that's one of the unique aspects of Lover's Lane is that I'm the fourth pastor, the fourth full-time pastor in uh, 76 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. The, a student pastor started Lover's Lane. His name was Bill Scoggins. And um, uh, and then Tom Ship came, and Tom was here for 31 years. Wow. And he died at the age of 58 in a finance committee meeting at the church. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, seriously. And uh, and then Don Benton followed uh, uh, Tom Ship, and he was here for 18 years. And then Bill Bryant. Uh, Bill Bryan followed uh, Don Benton for about two and a half years, and then he went to Perkins to be the mm-hmm. uh, in charge of the mentor the mentoring program there. 
uh, or the intern program. And then I came after Bill Bryan. Um, so that's a pretty unique Methodist church to have just had four pastors uh, in this length of time. Long-serving pastors. I think would would Tom Ships, uh, how long would he have been? How, how long did he serve? And then um, I guess Don would have served at least a couple of decades between the two of them or four or so decades between the two of them. And then Bill Bryan was here how many years? And then you've been here 23 yeah, I mean, Tom was here 31 years. Wow. He okay. came in 1945. Wow. That is wow. a long appointment. Right. And he died, <laughs> and he right. died yeah. in 1977. That was the okay. year I graduated from high school. And then Don Benton came shortly thereafter. Um, Charles Cook was an associate pastor that was with Tom a long time and, and kind of bridged into uh, to Don's ministry. And so Don was here for 18 years. Uh, he retired in 1995, I believe. Bill Bryan came in 1995 and, uh, and left at the end of, of 1997. Okay. And then I came in April of 1998. 1998. Mm -hmm. So right. they had a period, a few months, where they had kind of rotating pastors coming in. They were trying to sweet talk you into it? Uh, well... <laughs> There was no sweet talking about it. I mean, it was, Lover's Lane was uh, kind of at a low time. I mean, it was, uh, they'd lost a lot of members mm -hmm. and uh, it was kind of trying to find itself. It was no longer the singles church that it yeah. once was. They were trying to start a 12th step ministry and had gotten it off the ground. But I think when I got here, they had six groups. Okay. You know, today we have 80. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, it really has taken, 12-step ministry has really taken off in the last couple of decades yeah. in a big way. Um, but it's always been a part from the very beginning. Ministry with alcoholics has been a part of this church's DNA. Okay. Yeah. Certainly see that now. Cer certainly see that now. Kay, we were talking yesterday, and you have been at this church you came three years after just attending as a member. You were yeah. I started coming in two thousand and two when I graduated okay. from college and moved up here to Dallas, and then I came on staff in two thousand and six when I started in seminary. Okay, oh, and you yeah. were teaching for four years before that. What right. grade did you teach? Seventh and eighth grade, eighth grade. United oh, States history, middle yeah. school. Oh my gosh. So fun. Well, you were a history yeah. teacher. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. cool. I, I loved it. Yeah. You learn something new every day. I must say, I didn't yeah. know that either. And yep. so you've you've grown up here, kind of. I mean, in terms of I have, of your... as in my adult life, I've spent here at Lovers Lane. It's really been impactful uh, on my whole self. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So between the two of you, you're looking at probably forty years combined of just seeing how this church has developed over the past uh, couple of decades. And mm -hmm. um, so you've probably have seen the DNA of being kind of up a tree and out on a limb. Um, develop especially uh within the 2000s and then um even up until now um but stan i was we, we picked this name mostly because we felt like this church has a history mm -hmm. a dna of being out on a limb and of course that comes from uh tom ship's coining of the phrase i think he i think he yeah, kind I of think so. was it kind of an interpretation that he took from uh luke Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus in Luke's yeah. gospel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He loved the Zacchaeus story. And people, you know, said that Tom preached on Zacchaeus probably more than any other character. Really? He, he loved to say, you know, the church is called to be up a tree and out on a limb. 
So that says something about his ministry and his approach to ministry. And Lover's Lane was the only church he served full time in his whole life. Really? Wow. He was an associate at Highland Park wow. for a few years while he was going to seminary. He came here from uh, from Missouri, Southern Missouri. Uh, his wife, Dee, he met. Um, she was from Arkansas. And so um, I think Tom was 26 years old when he became the pastor of Lover's Lane. Lover's Lane had about 60 members. I'll say that's <laughs> what yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Lover's Lane had about 60 members. Um, it was a church start. And uh, so, yeah, that up a tree and out on a limb was the way that Tom um, pursued ministry. Okay. And there's I've there's like kind of legends and stories. I mean, they're not legends at this point, but <laughs> there's stories about him. He would bring alcoholics or people home, right? For he would take care of them, um, and they would stay on his couch. And sometimes his wife D, right? That's her name. Yep. Um, would find some someone just there, and and of course he would be taking care of them. Is that is that? Uh, well, I don't know how many times he did that, but when he was an associate at Highland Park. Um, a call came in around noontime that there was nobody there but Tom to field the call as a pastor. And it was from a brother who said, I've got a brother who is um, an alcoholic and he's drunk in a junkyard in Dallas. And so he asked Tom if he could find him and Tom said yes. Now there weren't as many junkyards in 1943, 44 as there uh, are today, I guess, wrecking yards. <laughs> So Tom just uh, started looking for this man and he found him uh, in a, a, I think they said it was a, a green Ford sedan. Uh, and he was just inebriated um, to the point of nearly being unconscious. And so Tom put him in his own car, started driving back in back to the church and he started calling people. You know, what are you going to do with a, a drunk guy? And they just said, we'll take him to the uh, the county jail, uh, mm -hmm. take him oh. to the drunk tank. Uh, uh, he called doctors and doctors said, basically, there's nothing you can do. And you know, the church climate in that day was that, you know, alcoholics had a behavioral problem mm. and they needed to get cleaned up uh, so they could come to church with the good yeah. people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, Tom didn't have a place for this man. He didn't want to take him to the county jail. So he took him home. And wow. so he and Dee, Dee, uh, Dee got to watch Tom ship or what got to watch this alcoholic, the two of them together come off of this drunk. I mean, go through cold oh, turkey wow. and all of that. Wow. And it was just horrendous. And, and Tom was sensitized to the fact as a 24, 25 year old man, that there was no help for people who were dealing with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. wow. And about that same time, he met a woman who was from Houston, who'd come to Highland park looking for, an upper room. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, we use these upper rooms in our Alcoholics Anonymous group. Well, Tom didn't know what an Alcoholics Anonymous was. Yeah. And so he was introduced to AA. This was back in the 40s. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous was just a few years old. Okay. Um, and so, um, and Tom Schiff is said to have been the one who was the most instrumental in bringing AA to Dallas mm -hmm. wow. and it largely goes back to this single experience that he had with this drunk man um, uh, who um, uh, 
And, and his brother couldn't come and get him, so Tom was stuck with him for several days. <laughs> uh, and, and that's kind of how Tom's sensitivity to the plight of the alcoholic back in the 40s uh, really kind of fueled that out up a tree and out on the limb yeah. mentality. Wow. Yeah, because and the first people who left Lover's Lane when it was just a young budding church left because when Tom became the pastor at Lover's Lane, people who he'd met, other alcoholics, followed him to this new church start. And I read a I read a letter actually it's in our archives that um, uh, that was family was very upset and they said you know you didn't let us. You didn't let us vote on this, you know, and we don't want to be part of the first alcoholic church of Dallas. So they left the church. Wow. So the first conflict that they had was basically over that. And Tom said, you know, this the church is here to help people. And if we're not here to help people, then I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. So he kind of drew a line in the sand and the leaders had to realize this young pastor has a passion. Yeah. And these alcoholics that are coming now, there may be more. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's no church where they are welcome. Yeah. And so Lover's Lane became that welcoming church for people struggling with alcoholism. See, wow. imagine being 26 years old. Like we, we're, both of us are 26 right now, getting put in charge of a church and then half the people being like, yeah, I'm not interested in the mission that you're living now. Yeah. Like, and there were 60 people there? You said there were 60 people about whenever he became, or he was right. appointed? Yeah, the neighborhood, which was over off of Lover's Lane and uh, west of Highland Park, uh, was full of little startup houses. And this was, the war was coming to an end and they were GIs coming home to Dallas and they were moving into these little houses. The baby boom started. You had, it was a neighborhood. And so the mm -hmm. church was started as a neighborhood church a neighborhood church that welcomed alcoholics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which kind of would have really been unthought of at the time. I mean, it, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that legacy just kind of seems like it's continued even through Don Benton and then Bill Bryan. I know Bill Bryan did some things that were, or that was a part of changing the culture in, in kind of a little bit of a controversial way. I was wondering if you could speak to uh, some of the, that, again, that DNA of being out on a limb, how that's continued from Tom Ship through Don Benton and then, um, and then even through Bill Bryan. Yeah. Um, yeah, Don, when Don came here, he had a sensitivity to people struggling with addictions in general, not just alcoholism. And so it was under Don's ministry that the 12th step ministry, as we call it here, that is now a corporation, the 12th step ministry was born. And Dink Benton, Don's son, was the first director of the 12th step ministry. And, um, and he knew firsthand what it meant to deal with addictions. And he was highly effective in getting this, um, this ministry started. Um, Don really did turn the church's focus outward. Uh, and there were several ministries that were started when Don was the pastor that are still alive today. Trinity River Mission was one on the west side of town. Um, and then there was Promise House, which was for runaway teens. These are ministries that Lover's Lane started um, when Don was here. Don had a passion for that kind of outreach and having everybody involved in ministry. Now, Bill Bryan, when he came here, he was here for just a short while. But um, he introduced um, even more of this mentality of up a tree and out on a limb. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bill was 
socially very progressive, mm-hmm. um, and he believed the church should be, which was not out of keeping with where the church had been in its earlier days. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things Bill wanted to do was uh, be a church that was welcome to everybody, including people of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Don't know how many actual members there were at that time, mm-hmm. but there was a particular couple uh, a man who wanted to have their daughters baptized. Mm. And uh, so uh, they were baptized and it was quite controversial. Uh, there was an article that came out in one of the magazines. I'm not going to get into specifics, <laughs> oh, wow. but you know, it basically said, where's Lover's Lane going? This would have mm. been in 1996 or 97. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, you know, it was, it was in 96, I believe it was. So, um, it was seen as controversy, but the more you look into the DNA of Lover's Lane, it really was moving us back, in essence, to where we started, mm-hmm. which was a church that would uh, welcome even alcoholics, which was a church that would welcome African Americans, which is another story in and of itself. Right. Uh, one of the first churches, in fact, one historian, Spellman, said that Lover's Lane was the first uh, Anglo Church to welcome African American members in 1961. Wow, which would have been two years before Kennedy was assassinated on mm-hmm. the streets of Dallas, right. wow. and uh, and four years before the civil rights legislation was uh, was ratified. Mm. So, for an Anglo Church to welcome a black member into the church was uh, was very controversial. Yeah. So, you know, you look at Lover's Lane's history, the, the, the broad sweep of Lover's Lane's history, it really does go back to uh, we were born to be a church and influenced by a pastor who stayed here 31 years <laughs> to be up a tree and out on a limb. Out on a limb. That's amazing. I've, I've heard that history before, and I'm just, I hear something different every time I hear it. And... Um, could you talk a little bit about just how that's even continued just in your time here and how you've seen the church uh, grow and expand and um, continue with that legacy of being out on a and cave? I mean, you've been here during that time as well. Mm-hmm. If there are stories that you can think of where people were definitely uncomfortable <laughs> um, and or or just in that in that space of being up a tree and out on a limb, feel well, free to jump in I as well. I think part yeah. of the, the theme is like, our pastors are willing to take risks to right. do something that's outside of societal norm in order to love all people. And so mm-hmm. I think like that's a really cool thing to know. And so how does that translate into the 21st century? Because we've talked about the 20th century and all the things that Lover's Lane has done, but like we're here now. And so what are the stories where we've taken a risk as a church to do something that's radical and loving? When I first came here in 2002, the word all wasn't in our mission statement. Really? It was loving wow. people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't remember when we added the word. We just started saying it, though. <laughs> and, and then we officially added it, you know, through with our lay members and all of that stuff. Do you remember when we added the word, Stan? Yeah, it was a little later than that because we had a different vision statement. I think we did that mission and vision work in 2008. Eight, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Okay. And that's when, uh, as you said, the first mm-hmm. mission came about. And then it was a couple of years right. later yeah. when we decided, you know, we need to put the word all in there. And so. Yeah. That's and I what think it's a lot of since. that came through Stan's leadership and mm-hmm. really creating 
what Lover's Lane is now when we talk about that we have people from Africa and people who are deaf and people who are gay and people who are poor and people who are rich and people, you know, just literally everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that goes back to Stan being up a tree and out on a limb and helping lead us there too, because it is really risky to say yeah. that we're going to love all people. And you didn't even just say all, you said all with a capital A, a, -L -L, a capital L, yes. a capital yes. L, okay? Yeah. <laughs> there was no confusion no. about all. Exactly. Uh, I was underlined and highlighted right. and bolded. We were like, all oh, right. for real. And yeah. and that's really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. that means that we're committed to loving people like Jesus did. And we're committed to loving people who are weird and crazy yeah. and, you know, just like all because Jesus loves all. And, and I really do credit a lot of that to Stan and his vision of um, our campaign that happened. What was that campaign called, Stan? Want to know why? Yeah, want to know why. Want to know why. Tell us yeah. about want to know, know why. why. Yeah. 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 What yeah. Was it? Yeah, want to know why was an ad campaign that was driven by a, a very gifted group of lay uh, leaders here at the church. And uh, we had ads, want to know why.com, that came up all over the city. You know, some people would say it was akin to what followed our campaign was mm -hmm. I Am Second. Right. which okay. featured videos. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. we didn't feature videos. We featured, we turned people to the website. Mm -hmm. And on the website, you read these stories. You read Peter Wieto's story about being shot in Liberia and mm -hmm. left for dead and, um, uh, and put in the back of a dump truck and dumped with 30 bodies on the beaches of Monrovia in the middle of their civil war. Yeah. He wasn't right. dead. Yeah. And so he goes to his house. The house is burned to the ground. They said Betty and the five children have been killed. So Peter flees to a refugee camp. Betty and the children aren't dead. They flee to another refugee camp. Wow. And then Peter ends up in Dallas and he doesn't know that they're alive. They're in the refugee camp. They've they've talked to people who said they saw Peter get shot and killed. And eventually, you know, Peter hears that they are alive and brings them over. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're reunited and wow. they join this church during Bill Bryan's era. Mm -hmm. And um, we told that story on WantToKnowWhy.com, and Africans, particularly Liberians, started coming from everywhere. Wow. And the next thing you know, we had some students from Perkins, uh, Kenyans, um, one from, uh, 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 from Uganda, uh, and, and there were two or three others, none of them from Liberia. But they said, we'll help you start a multicultural African fellowship. And so that's how the How'd you feel when Africa they asked that? <laughs> What's that? How, what did you think whenever they just came and wanted to do that? Well, I mean, it. we had to do something because we all of a sudden had this influx of African people because of Want to Know Why. Mm -hmm. On Want to Know Why, we told the story of uh, some deaf members and we started having deaf people come. We told the story of people with special needs. We had people with special needs coming and we really didn't have the kind of program that we have now for special needs that we call Rays of Light. It started because of that. Uh, and our deaf ministry, we had a deaf ministry, but it wasn't flourishing like it is now. Uh, and when people say, well, why did that happen? The only thing I can point to was want to know why. Mm. It wasn't my idea. Um, it was just an idea that we had about an ad campaign that changed this church. Wow. And so what followed that was, and I think this is very important, 
is a lot of churches have mission statements that basically say what they do. Mm -hmm. And churches need to base their mission not on what they're doing in the present only, but they need to have an appreciation of the church's history. Mm -hmm. And this is what we do. And so loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ, um, that connected with our history. Yeah. But more important than vision than mission is a vision statement. Mm -hmm. Because a vision is your preferred future. A vision is where you're going. A vision is what's luring you into the future. And our vision statement that we developed along the same time that we developed the mission statement was um, uh, to be one diverse community, passionately engaging the Bible, uplifting Jesus in worship and loving service, and challenging in love that which divides. Mm -hmm. So that really does speak to our evangelical heritage as United Methodist. Mm -hmm. It speaks to a church that wants to make... Uh, bringing people into relationship with Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the main thing. And we started seeing 60 to 70% of our new members coming by baptism and profession of faith. Wow. And at the same time, we started seeing this array of people coming from all over the world, literally, particularly Africa. And we started seeing LGBTQ folk coming. Uh, we started seeing... Uh, families with special needs. We started seeing deaf people coming. And then all of a sudden, here we had this church that looked very different than it did in 1998 when mm -hmm. I came here. And I dare say it looked very different than it ever had looked. Mm -hmm. uh, but not out of keeping with, um, with really Tom Ship's vision for the church. Mm -hmm. You know, Tom wanted to be a church that was helping people wherever those people were, mm -hmm. whether they were alcoholics or or you know, African-Americans who wanted to be a part of the church or um, you know, so, somebody who was down on their luck. Tom oftentimes on Sunday morning would come into the pulpit and said, you know, I've been down at the jail yeah. you know, visiting somebody in prison. I mean, he was, his reputation was one who was, where, who was serving where people were hurting. Mm -hmm. And it's probably bigger than life, really. Yeah. But uh, it... It's, it's what grew this church, basically. It's what grew this church. So you mentioned that vision, and I love especially the last part of the vision, which is uh, where a church that... Challenging divi what divides. A church yeah. that challenges and love that which divides. Mm -hmm. And in this season that we're in, this political climate especially that we're in, and um, we're just facing a very divided just social climate. Um, and of course, I mean, people of all different walks of life come to Lover's Lane mm -hmm. and um, have different political beliefs, different social beliefs. Right. Um, why is it why is it the important message of going out on a limb? Why is that so important right now in a season of being hyper polarized? Why do you feel like that? It's the hard thing, I would imagine. But why is it so important that we continue to do that, especially in these days? You know, oddly enough, I think that what Lover's Lane is trying to do is to be just basic Christianity mm. right now. Mm. We're uplifting the fruit of the Spirit, mm -hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. We're trying to call people's attention to the fact that we're called to be fruitful Christians. And we're also trying to call people's attention to the love of Christ that brings us together, 
that crosses all divides. You know, we're trying to uplift that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Um, and you could just go on with the diversity that we have here at this church. So oddly enough, being up a tree and out on a limb right now is to speak the most basic Christian beliefs that we have all embraced. And it seems like sometimes when you read social media, you know, it, it, it just seems like that we have forgot, we have forgotten that is our foundation and that we should always respond out of love and joy and kindness but that's not where we are right now. So we find ourselves speaking a message that some would say is controversial. That is the most basic message that you could ever speak from a Christian pulpit mm -hmm. uh, or in groups and classes. And, um, you know, right now there's such a sensitivity to, uh, to political divisions that you can hardly make a statement even foundationally Christian that people don't want to put you in one partisan camp or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the choice a pastor has is to just say nothing and get into the pulpit and uh, preach uh, three things to do when you're lonely. <laughs> uh, and, you know, why would I do that if I'm serving Lover's Lane? That's a church that's meant to be up a tree and out on a limb. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've tried certainly not to be partisan. I don't think a pastor really has a place to be partisan, especially in a large church like ours that is so diverse. Mm -hmm. We have Republicans and Democrats and independents and libertarians. And we have uh, the Green parties probably even <laughs> represent. We have all kinds of people. Yeah. So the call is to, um, to the basics of Christianity to listen to one another with respect and love, to vote. I mean, we should be celebrating the fact that we've had so many people in this country mm. vote when just a few years ago it looked like, you know, we were losing passion for voting mm. in this country, uh, the very basics of democracy. So there's a place to talk, I think, about, um, about um, a Christian's patriotic duty uh, that can take on... Uh, partisanship, mm -hmm. but we, chief among all people, should be pushing for bipartisan solutions. Mm -hmm. We should be pushing for, let's model how people who are different get along mm -hmm. and how we love each other and how we can talk and how we can listen and how we can post and how we can tweet that doesn't go off the rails. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think this is very important right now. I mean, if the church is not going to call us to a new um, kind of patriotism and civility, then where's that message going to come from? I don't see it coming from our politicians who are mm -hmm. kind of digging in. Mm -hmm. um, so I see the church has a, a, a wonderful opportunity of trying to bring people together across all of these different divides mm -hmm. to be Christian. Mm. I'm kind of curious, you mentioned the basics of Christianity, and I could have an idea of what that is, but I wonder, like, we have a hard time finding common ground, I find, with people I disagree. So what would you say are, like, the basic foundational Christian principles that we can all agree on that, you know, we're saying the basis of Christianity, but maybe some people don't know what those are. Like, what are the things that we say, like, this is absolutely foundational 
for us as Lovers Lane and for us as United Methodists? That's a good question. Katie, you want to have? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, initially, for me, it's it it's all about the fact that Jesus loves us, mm. that God created you, and God created you good, and that God loves you, yeah, no matter what. Mm. Um, and so that's that's where I ha hang my hat on in my theology quite a bit is mm. just this, uh, you know, this loving Christ who comes for us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say to that, I mean, the same question was asked in a little different way of Jesus. And he said, love the Lord your God with your, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, all the other law hinges on that. You know, Jesus said it himself. So that's a good place to start with mm -hmm. what are the basics. And I think that we can go into the fruit of the Spirit, which is basic Christian mm -hmm. um, uh, behavior. Um, which came to us by way of Paul through Galatians 5. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that we could even go to Wesley in trying to get to the basics of what is Christianity. And he introduced his simple rules mm -hmm. that you do no harm, you do good, mm -hmm. and you stay in love with God. Mm -hmm. right. And so it's not complicated um, in word to be Christian. It's complicated in practice to follow through. And, mm -hmm. you know, we believe that it's the Holy Spirit, when our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's work in our life is what brings us to that higher plane of life. Mm -hmm. It's not by our own making, it's in our yielding to the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that take us to, um, you know, a, a, a better place. Mm -hmm. So I would say that um, that that's what we have to be keenly aware of. Yeah. I think uh, in getting back to the basics, baptism, Holy Communion, those are basic uh, um, sacraments that we embrace. Right. And we don't change the water out when we baptize in the pool <laughs> when different <laughs> kinds of people get in it. You know, they're all getting into the same water, yeah. whether they're... Uh, whether I they're African that. or deaf <laughs> or gay or straight or male or female, they're all climbing into the same water. Oh. And and uh, in the same way with Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about our United Methodist understanding of Holy Communion is that it's the Lord's table. Mm -hmm. And at the Lord's table, all are welcome. Mm -hmm. We don't have the right to turn someone away from the Lord's table. Mm -hmm. We are merely the stewards of God's table. So, uh, you know, those two basic sacraments too make an important statement about who is God, mm -hmm. what is the salvation God offers us in life, how do we live a life that is becoming the gospel, mm -hmm. uh, which is our sanctification. And, um, you know, the basics are, the basics are good. <laughs> But it's a time right now, I think, in the midst of our division to call us back to what is our foundation from which we, you know, move forward. I think the important thing you said was that the basics are simple, but they're not easy in practice. Because mm -hmm. I think we can say like, yeah. oh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a very basic sentiment. But to do so is so difficult, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. especially because we acknowledge like Christians voted all different ways this election and very deeply believe that. And there are, you know, good hearted people who want to serve God. And yet 
you know, fundamentally disagree in some policies. And so I think reminding ourselves that, yes, there are basic Christian principles that we all believe, and it's not easy to do so. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good word to, to hear, especially today. Now, one of the things that I think we have to be real careful of as Christians is getting into the labeling game mm-hmm. and slipping Absolutely. into um, uh, that which says, you know, you're a socialist or you're a Marxist or <laughs> yeah. you're a, a fascist or you're um, a, a supremist. You know, mm-hmm. all of these different labels, they, they do. I don't think they have a place in our Christian vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I really don't because we're people. We're talking about people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so uh, that's the thing that I think is, to me, is most disturbing. And, you know, you think about who we are as Methodists. Methodist was a label. Yeah. You know, it was, it <laughs> it was, was. not meant was to negative. be complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a good yeah. thing. No, they yeah. called Methodists Bible moths. This was back in the 1700s, Bible moths. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that one didn't stick. Can you imagine being Lover's Lane Bible moth uh, church? Say, I'll take the Methodists yeah. over the yeah. Bible, right. Bible yeah. moth. But, you know, the Methodists was because the, the groups of Methodists got together in small groups early hours and late hours, and they studied the Bible. They did the basics of what they saw as Christian discipleship, and they followed methods. So, um, you know, sometimes labels that are meant to harm uh, can actually, God can turn them into something good. But it's hard to see the kind of labeling that's going on right now that is leading to anything that is godly. Right, right. And I just think that 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 should be just something that we as Christians, I think, if we slip into the mode of labeling, then Mm -hmm. we've crossed the line. Mm -hmm. I know that's hard for some people to hear, Mm -hmm. but I I firmly believe it. You know, uh, tell me that you prayed and God said, yeah, call that person a fascist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Call that person a socialist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, you know, you know, put them in a box mm-hmm. so that you don't have to humanize them anymore. You don't have to treat them like a child of God. Mm-hmm. You can treat them um, like that which you hate. Right. You know, where on earth would God say that's good? Mm-hmm. It it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so that'll preach, man. Yeah. I'll say, I think we found another sermon. Yeah, preach, it'll get you in trouble. It'll get you in trouble, too, if you preach it. Isn't that amazing, though, that something so, I mean, it just seems so simple. It could, it's, it seems like a, it seems like a very difficult kind of position to take uh, to just, to just call people people these days. Yeah. Um, Well, that's, I mean, that's our mission statement is to love all people, not, you know, all liberals or all conservatives. Like, just people, all, mm-hmm. just all people. Yeah. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Right. So, how would you describe how it feels? I, I'm, I'm thinking back at the the story of Tom Ship, where um, he he the story you began with, where he was looking after this guy that he was helping take care of. How would you describe how how would one feel when they're out on a limb to love people? How does what does that feel like? I'd imagine it's probably risky. Um, but how would you describe somebody who is going out on a limb to love people? When you're out on a limb, people aren't saying, oh, I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, when you're out on a limb, there are people who are leaving the church, hmm. unfortunately, uh, because they heard you say something that maybe you didn't say, mm-hmm. or um, they, um, 
felt like the church was becoming too political, which mm -hmm. you're just trying to be Christian. Um, sometimes, I mean, it's it, out on the limb can be when you start accepting people who are different. And some people think those people are sinners. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they don't have a place in the church. Uh, well, show me some scripture that excludes people from the church. Mm -hmm. You know, show me uh, anything about Jesus' life that wasn't hyper-inclusive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like the, and it's too simplistic, but, but you know, we've been being called to be fishers of people, right? Mm -hmm. And that means we're out there to catch them and to bring them in. It doesn't mean we're going to clean them. And it certainly doesn't mean that we got to clean them before we bring them in, mm -hmm. gutting them and all. Mm -hmm. and, and yet, you know, sometimes I think that, that, um, that people have lost sight of the fact that, uh, that the church's um, the church's position should be inclusive. Mm -hmm. It should be um, it should cast the net wide. It's the Holy Spirit who saves us, mm -hmm. and it's the Holy Spirit who cleanses us. Mm -hmm. And when the Holy Spirit fills a person, um, who are we to say that person is not a child of God? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the Holy Spirit fill all kinds of people, and it's changed me. Mm -hmm. And what I understand to be, um, you, you know, the position, the bedrock position of the church and being all, all inclusive, um, because it just goes right back to, I believe it's Acts 10, where, you know, Peter's struggling with these Gentiles being Christian, and the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's filling them. And so he says, you know, if God's already chosen them and they're full of the Spirit, then who am I to deny them baptism? Mm -hmm. Right. Boy, I've walked that trail, mm -hmm. and um, and no better place to walk it than here at Lovers Lane, in my mm -hmm. opinion, because that's this church's DNA. Mm -hmm. There's also something about being out on a limb, Stan. That I mean, there's not room on the limb for a lot of folks. So sometimes you're out on a limb by yourself and if the wind is blowing mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it can be unsteady and it can be isolating. Um, so I'm curious if you have a time where you felt like I'm alone in this, but I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. It's mm -hmm. a good question. I don't know that I've ever felt totally alone, uh, because, um, of course we know that God is with us. We are ne not alone. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. But I've always found important lay people primarily in, and also staff, but staff are kind of paid to support you. <laughs> <laughs> but lay people who come around and, and say um, the things that you needed to hear at a particular mm -hmm. time that, that gave you the encouragement to do what you felt like God was leading you to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take many. Uh, but those important voices can be those voices that that uh, that make that place not feel as lonely. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could think of dozens of experiences that I've had when in dozens of people who've come up at the, just the right time who've given me that encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, it's never a completely lonely place. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I think it feels that way sometimes because the pastor are, uh, is, is the one who you know, personifies the particular approach. And so that's, that's who can be shot at, if you will. <laughs> um, uh, or that's who receives the criticism uh, most pointedly. Right. Uh, that's who receives the letter uh, when somebody says, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never felt completely alone mm-hmm. because there's all, God has always sent an angel always in a messenger um and um that's powerful that's good uh, i'm kind of curious about you know (laughs) being on a limb you said can be lonely but also be fearful you know you said if you're out on a limb often it means because potentially people are leaving the church because of it so you know as or just leaving your life well yeah i mean just just walking away so like what i guess my question is you know how do we deal as pastors with that balance of you know you got to have numbers in a church. You got to have butts in a seat, but you also have to follow where you think God's leading you. And so how do we deal with that fear of, you know, this might be controversial, but I, I believe it's where the spirit's moving. Like what, what's the balance in that? How do you find the balance in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a Bishop one time <laughs> here. We, we were in a very conflicted time mm-hmm. at lover's lane. And, um, we were having some people leave the church and I was very much on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember a family leaving the church and it was just like, you know, this is kind of the last straw. I think I need to be doing something else (laughs) because I'm obviously not doing great at this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I called my Bishop at the time, Rhymes Moncure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, (laughs) I told him, you know, what was going on. And, and I tried to make it not sound too bad. I mean, I was talking to my bishop uh, and trying to make it sound like I was in charge and everything was under control. And I, I was stammering and stuttering. And all of a sudden, on the other end of the line, I hear Rhymes Moncure laughing. <laughs> Here I was crying uh, on a side street, on a side street in Highland Park. I pulled over, uh, and he, he's, he's laughing at me. And uh, then when he finally quit laughing, <laughs> he said, stand, stand, stand. He said, uh, Lover's Lane ain't your church. Lover's mm-hmm. Lane ain't so-and-so's church. Lover's Lane is God's church. Mm-hmm. And so you go right back to the church and you do your ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will forever look at that time. Well, that was an angel. The bishop yeah. was that angel that I needed out on a limb mm-hmm. uh, who basically said something so basically true mm-hmm. that pastors serve churches, but they're not our churches. Right. They're mm-hmm. God's mm-hmm. churches yeah. that we serve. And and so we 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 have to stay close to God because it's God's church. And yeah, you know, another thing that I've always tried to remind myself of is that, can you imagine praying in the midst of a situation and God saying, yeah, take that easy way. Mm-hmm. You know, be sure and go the way that's not gonna cause any trouble. That, Cause that's, you know, that, right. will, uh, that will just be so much better than you doing what you think is right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and you know, God wants us to be dependent upon God, mm-hmm. not thinking we can do it. Yeah. Right. And so I find myself when we're the most vulnerable is when we're the closest to God. And we need to realize that God will always take care of the, of the church. Mm-hmm. And if you think that there's anybody in the church that if they leave, the church will fold, I can attest to the fact that it's happened time and time again. And, and uh, God's always sent somebody. Always. That, yeah. that, uh, that, uh, and, and, and you just carry on. You, just, you try to be faithful. Uh, but humbly so, because this is not of your making. Mm. It is of God's making. And so you try to be true to that which um, you believe is in keeping with the ministry of Jesus mm-hmm. and in the, the ways of the fruit of the Spirit. So I got kind of one last question just for the both of you. Um, there's going to be people obviously listening to this podcast from Lover's Lane, and there will probably be some folks that who maybe have never set foot in uh, Lover's Lane. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully, I hope so. If you're all listening, welcome. Hopefully you're here. Um, I'm I'm just curious, how can every single person, whether they're a like a a a longtime believer or somebody who's maybe a nominal believer, how can what are some practical, tangible tips that you might offer to them so that they can go out on a limb to love people? Okay, maybe maybe if you want to go first. Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think I would say practical tip for going out on the limb is take the first step, mm-hmm. knowing that God is with you. Um, as you know, as we've talked about that God is with us in mm-hmm. the places that are lonely and the places that feel isolated, that God is always with us. Um, but it's, you know, those baby steps, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a mm-hmm. time? So take a step and then another step and another step and trust God in each of those steps. Mm-hmm. What would what would maybe one small baby step even look like? Do you feel like? Um, if you're at your Thanksgiving meal and um, you need to say something but you don't want to, mm. say it in a in a loving way. You know we're challenging in love that which which divides. Mm. Uh, so say it. Um, perhaps it is um, reading a book that you might not want to pick up because you just mm-hmm. don't want to go there we'll pick it up mm-hmm. read a few pages and then read a few more and see what happens you mm-hmm. know there's just a lot of i think little things that we can do um in our lives that help us move a little bit further mm. that's good stan what do you think well i like what Kay said yeah i i think that um i think we just have to be sensitive to the holy spirit i mm-hmm. i think if we are we know when the Holy Spirit's leading us to do something mm. or to say something or to write something. Um, and unless we consult the Holy Spirit, then we might be too much in the way. Mm-hmm. Now, I have spoken, I have written, and I have done things that were not led by the Spirit. Mm. In fact, I do a lot more of that than I do the other <laughs> way. Um, but... But when you are speaking related to your ministry um, and being the church, uh, I dare say the first step needs to be um, a sensitivity to where the spirit is moving. Mm. And um, there's no real prescription for that. 
you, you, those who are filled with the Spirit, which are we Christians, we just need to be sensitive to that Spirit's leading. Hmm. Whenever the Spirit's telling you to climb up, up that tree and out on that limb and then taking that step, I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you all for fun. taking time. This is our first fun. episode. So, Yay. yeah, it's exciting. You mean we're going to do more? We're going to do more, hopefully. I mean, that's the, that's the plan. We've got a calendar, so. That's awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you all for leaving us. All right. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us get the word out about Out on a Limb and helps other people find our podcast. From all of us here at Lover's Lane. Thanks for going out on a limb with us. <laughs>